So we dedicate this to Joy and Steve Harvey. And ask the Lord would bless your hearts with it. By faith I know my Lord is near, though I the distant thunder hear. Despite the storm which drives the dust, and though he slay me yet, I trust. Let thunder roar, let tempest rage. His voice can wildest wind assuage. Safe hid in him, I cannot fear. No terror, no, while he is near. My friend, my soul doth say, and after night there comes the day when I shall understand his will, and he hath bid the storm be still, let thunder roar, let tempest rage. His voice can wild as wind assuage. Safe hid in him, I cannot fear. No terror, no, while he is near. To trust in him, my sweetest joy, and since he's near, no storms annoy, no gathering cloud can veil his face, in him I find my hiding place, let thunder tempest rage his voice can wild as wind assuage safe hid in him I cannot fear no terror no while he is Pray for Pastor, he's not well, and Mrs. Spurbeck, Timothy, sick, and we have blessing that our brother Connor surrendered to preach, and he's here tonight to fill that gap. Didn't the Lord just provide just in time for this? He knew this was coming, Brother Connor, and so we look forward to your message tonight. Come on and preach. Good evening, everyone. I think Brother Hammond's worked hard to make me cry before coming up here. Split pay for uh, Mrs. Joy Harvey. Um, um, they're such sweet people, and 
makes me sad to see him go through this, but the Lord has his reasons. Uh, sorry. <laughs> when I cry, I'm incapacitated, so. <laughs> but we'll work through it. But All right, so, pastor asked me to preach this afternoon. Um, so, um, <laughs> I told him I might have some Sunday school material to go through, so we'll go through Sunday school again this evening. I um, hope that's all right with you guys. <laughs> um, so in teen class, we've been going through, um, just before Christmas, we're going through a series of lessons called the Transformation, Transforming Power of Jesus Christ, and uh, there are six lessons. Um, we looked at the transformation of a lame man, Transformation of the Philippian Jailer, Transformation of the Maniac of Gadara, and the Transformation of Blind Barimaeus, and the Transformation of Naaman the Leper, and the Transformation of the Dying Thief on the Cross. And I thought one of these would be a good one to go through for Sunday evening. Um, it took a long time to decide which one. <laughs> um, read through a couple of them, and Decided to just sell for the first one, the transformation of the lame man. Um, if you all could, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. We'll look at verse 1. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Also, sorry, Brother Kai, I didn't get with you about any anything for the boards, but um, it, it's fine. <laughs> all right, so Acts chapter 3, verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain, a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood, walked, and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that uh, it was he which sat at alms at beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the layman uh, which was healed held, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto him, unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly. Uh, that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you that we could all be together this evening and uh, worship you and sing hymns of praises to you. And uh, just, Lord, we've got a multitude of uh, people sick this evening. I pray that you'd uh, heal them, help them recover quickly. Uh, we think of Mrs. Joy Harvey, Lord, and her family just... Uh, comfort them, be with them, and uh, pray for prayer, 
pray for a miracle there. Uh, Lord, just be with me as I preach this evening. Uh, just give me the words to say. I pray that this message would be a blessing for uh, someone here this evening. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, you see the transformation of the layman um, in Acts 3. Now, there are endless products being produced around the world, and every inventor, every retail store, and every internet website, every infomercial, every corporation needs to make you believe that you cannot live without their product. One of the most successful ways to convince you to purchase a product is to use the before and after sales pitch. Now, you got like hair loss, uh, weight loss, um, dog training kits, fitness equipment. Shampoo, um, you know, uh, if you do this for three months, your hair grows back, you know. Use this shampoo and you'll have thick, luscious hair and whatever. I have before or after of, of meth on billboards, you know, like, you know, it's probably got the opposite effect, but hopefully. But, um, yeah, I don't know, some people, but anywho, but I have good news for you. The Bible was not written by con man or sales pitches or whatever, Madison Avenue. But the transformation that occurs when Christ comes into your life is real and lasting. If you will make a commitment to read and obey the word of God, you will be transformed from the inside out. And you can live a meaningful and successful life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All through the Bible, we see instances of people being completely changed after an encounter with Jesus Christ. Today, we're just going to look at the transformation of the lame man. As we saw in the illustration, this number one, this transformation happened because two men decided to pray. Acts 3, verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. It shouldn't surprise us that uh, this change came at the hour of prayer. Peter and John had a purpose for coming to the temple that day. They came to pray. An hour had been set aside in the temple, uh, scheduled for the express purpose of gathering the people to pray. If you want to be transformed, you cannot bypass prayer. If you want God to transform someone else, it must begin with prayer. There is no substitute for prayer, and it is a necessary ingredient in the recipe for a miracle. So uh, prayer is, um, you know, if you want to have a real right relationship with the Lord, you need to spend plenty of time in prayer. Um, I heard a pastor recently say that, the average Christian today spends an average of seven minutes of prayer a week. That's pretty uh, sobering. Um, and no wonder our nation is in the state it is today with so, so many people spending so little time in prayer. So, um, and... Like, you know, and, and God, 
he wants us to pray. He, he wants us to bring our requests before him. And you may say, you know, he already knows my needs. It, you know, why should I pray? But I think about, <laughs> so with our young two-year-old, <laughs> we have this thing coming up recently. And, you know, she, she can talk now. She's pretty talkative. <laughs> But she's got this thing, you know, eh, eh, you know, whining uh, and like, you know, what do you want? You know, use words. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you say all the time. Use words. I'm sure, I'm sure when you were two, you had a similar thing going on. But um, anyway, and and of course, after like five minutes, she'll finally tell us what she wants after a lot of crying or whatever. And is. Just thinking, like, I wonder if that's how God feels sometimes when we have a need that we're willing to, you know, murmur and complain or go about our day. Like, oh, you know, woe's me. No, complain to your coworkers. I've got this problem, whatever. It's like, just bring it to the Lord. And he's just waiting for you to ask. But anyway, that's the thing that crossed my mind with that particular instance. But. Um, Matthew eighteen nineteen says, Again, I say unto you that if two, or two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Sounds like a promise to me. Here we have Christ teaching on the power of just two Christians joined together in agreement to pray. Peter and John went together to pray. They shared a common calling, common goals, and a common burden to be used of God. They met together to pray over the things they held in common. If they had not gone to the prayer meeting on this particular day, we would not have had the story of this miraculous transformation of a lame man. You know, we always uh, get together every Sunday, and uh, all the men will get together at 5.30, and, uh, just as we did this evening, and and we pray before the service, and, and we pray for various needs around the church, and um, pray for pastor, and, um, and you know, our, our church has many needs, and we just come together and pray. Where two or, two or three are gathered, um, he's in the midst of them. So, Number two, this transformation happened because of some unnamed people who cared. So verse 2, And a certain uh, man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So we don't know the names of these people, and we see often in the Bible, or in the Bible, out of the Bible, you know, you're re- researching Baptist history, there's a, many people you that... Um, Probably most of the best Christians that have ever existed will probably never know their names till we get to heaven. Um, but the reason we do not, uh, there's a reason that we do not know, and that's God does not give us their names, those who carried him. But all through the Bible, there are instances of compassionate, caring, uh, caring people, greatly used of God, yet their names are withheld. So if you could turn to Mark 2.1. Mark 2, 1, verses 1 through 5. 
And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there is no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. So this is another story of a man who needed a miracle. This man was sick of the palsy. He was enfeebled and paralyzed. He could not get himself to Jesus. Yet four men took compassion upon him and carried him to the place and to the person who could heal him. Who were these four men? What were their names? We do not know, but one day we will meet them in heaven. Great miracles are available to those who care more about the miracle than they do notoriety. There is no limit to what God can do with a church where no one is concerned with who gets the earthly credit. Uh, pride stifles miracles, but humility pays, paves the way for them. Um, you know, you ever think, who led uh, Billy Sunday to Christ? Or who discipled D.L. Moody? Uh, who first invited Gypsy Smith to church? Who led Fanny Crosby to the Lord? Who prayed for Jonathan Edwards to be saved? Most of us do not know the answer to these questions, yet we do know they are the faceless, nameless people of God who witnessed and taught and invited and prayed and cared not whether they were known of men. They just desired to be used of God to bring men and women to Jesus. So number three. Um, okay, so we looked at number one, the transform, transformation happened because two men decided to pray. Number two, transformation happened because of unnamed people who cared. Number three, this transformation happened when the layman realized he was asking for the wrong thing. You see this a lot with when we're witnessing, I think. Um, you know, pe- people trusting in their works to get to heaven or uh, things of that nature. Or, uh, you know, they got all these problems going on in their life. And um, you ask them why all these things happen. Or, you know, like, oh, we... Uh, I think the biggest one today is people don't think they have the financial means to take care of all their problems. It's amazing to me thinking about that too. Is um, my goal was always to uh, have be able to work on one income. Um, that way, my wife. Now I have a wife, but before I had a wife, my goal was, you know, to be able to be a single income family and provide for my family and. And my wife can take care of the home, raise the children. Um, but it's amazing how many people think you cannot function without two incomes. Um, but uh, you, you see, uh, when you see their house or, or the material possessions they possess, you kind of understand why they're living that way. You realize that they're living more for the material Material things, and you know, they want the nice, the big TV, you know, the super nice cars. They don't have to be super nice, but you know, they're living up a little higher than they need to. Um, they want to live, 
you know, they say, like, live within your means. They might be living in their means because they have two incomes and, you know, they're making more money, but uh, they're not focusing on what's important, and that's Jesus. Um, a little off topic, but, um, but yeah, we see that the layman asked for the wrong thing. What is that wrong thing? Well, in verse 3, verse three, we see, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, uh, about, excuse me, Peter and John about to go into the temple asked in alms, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So this man knew he had a problem. He knew he was lame, and he believed that the only way to bear his circumstances was to sit at the gate of the temple and beg. The slave man was asking for money when he should have been asking for a miracle. We live in a society that believes everything that is wrong with the world can be fixed with more, than, with more money, and many politicians believe that the cure for all national woes is to raise taxes and throw more money at problems. Most see the leaves, but they do not see the root. They spend all their lives picking leaves when God tells us to take an axe to the root of the problem. Um, and just as I was saying earlier, you know, you have um, people think that they need more money, um, you know, work two incomes, um, pay off their bills and whatever. Um, but if you trust in the Lord, he'll provide all these things. But the, the layman thought that his problem was poverty, but no, uh, poverty was the result of his problem. The world sees its problems in the same way. And they often seek the same temporary help. You know, they're seeking um, a solution for their the symptoms, but they're not trying to cure the cure the actual problem. Um, so, say you got depression. You know, you're depressed. Uh, the world has a, a temporary solution for that. And you know, like oh, it takes some. Medication. I actually don't even know any antidepressants, <laughs> but um, I only have one antidepressant right here. So, amen. But um, but the world's answer is medication. You know, the world says, uh, oh, you know, oh, I'm lonely. You know, loneliness is your your problem, and um, and that's not a fun problem to have. You know, and the world like, well, you know, you got social media, you can have friends from your own home or, you know what, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, add all your Facebook friends. Um, you can message them whenever you want. Uh, they might message you, like your pictures, makes it feel better. Uh, gets that little dopamine high, you know. Um, but it's a temporary solution. Uh, another problem, drug addiction, you know. They got support groups or, you know, if they're like Al- Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, you, get to, together with all these other people you don't know, talk about how addicted to alcohol you are and things of that nature. Uh, um, yeah, th- <laughs> it's, it's not very, it, it's a temporary solution. It might make you feel, feel better, you know. Oh, yeah, I got all my problems out there. People think if they get their problems out there, it helps, you know. Uh, might make you feel better for a little bit, and then you relapse and you're back to drugs again. Destructive behavior, 
No. Like, oh, you got therapy. Um, sexual perversion, that's a big one. Self-acceptance uh, is the world's answer. Uh, or, even better yet, make other people accept you, whether you, they like it or not. But there's a cure to all these problems. That cure is Jesus. And it's all right here in his word. Number four. Oh, before I move on, I, I thought earlier of, um, I was listening to a preacher who's talking about how before he got saved, he was uh, smoking cigarettes. And, and when he got saved, he, he was smoking and he realized, you know, I need to quit this habit. And to, to kick the habit, he would go out and he would just run. Uh, if he felt the urge to smoke a cigarette, he'd go out, jog for miles until he's winded. When you're winded, you don't want to smoke because you're breathing really heavy. So anyway, he did this for, I don't know how long, months maybe. If he felt like smoking a cigarette, he'd just go for a run. And then years later, I think he's probably already preaching at this time, uh, there's a elderly lady who got saved at his church and She'd been smoking her whole life, and, and she just she got saved, and she just kicked it to the curb. And, and he's like, what'd you do, you know? And, and she's like, oh, well, I just asked for deliverance of my addiction. And he said, where were you all those years ago? <laughs> you could have saved me from running so many miles. <laughs> but... <laughs> But, so Jesus is a cure, and he relied on his own strength. But, and we could do that as safe people too, amen? Um, but Jesus can provide our needs. We just have to go to him in prayer. Number four, this transformation happened because of the power found in the name of Jesus. So if we look at verse 6 and 7, Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. If you go down to verse 16 real quick. His name through faith, his name through faith and his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. If you look in Acts 4, 6 through 10 real quick. Got a lot of verses in here. Acts 4, 6 through 10. And Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were on the kindred of the high priests were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus, of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. So, um, 
And there's other verses to Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. None other name under heaven. John 1.12, But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John 20.31, But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. There is power in the name of Jesus. As Christians, our mission is to point mankind to Jesus. We are blessed to do what we do in the power of his name. The Bible encourages us to pray in the name of Jesus, to preach in the name of Jesus, and witness in the power of his name, and to uh, confront demonic attacks by calling out his name. Our job is to lift him up, and when we do so, Jesus promises to draw all men unto himself. John twelve thirty two. Jesus answered and said, and, if I, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Peter and John understood that they alone could offer, uh, they alone could offer that man no help, but that they could introduce him to the one who could. Spend your life pointing those around you to Jesus. Number five. The transformation turned a pathetic beggar into a praising believer. So if we look at verse 8, And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered, into, entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Psalm 37, 23-25, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So this is the before and after testimonial that draws men to Jesus. A true biblical conversion results in radical change in the life of a person. Here is a man who is trapped in a uselessness and self-pity, but Jesus Christ gave him worth and purpose. Now he has a story to tell, he has a cause to live for, and it's still reaping, reaping rewards today as it's recorded eternally in God's word. Psalm 40, 1-3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, and even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. This leads us to number six, this transformation brought others to Jesus. So verses 9 through 11, And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat at alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people, excuse me, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering, 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, hath committed us unto us the world of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for 
ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The purpose of Christ's healing and saving this man was not so he could walk around looking down at other cripples. It was not to make him proud, but to give him a chance to be productive. Christ healed him so that he would be a beacon of hope, a testimony to what Christ can do for others. Um, So, um, real quick, I did want to take a quick look at, um, you know, we see him leaping and praising God. It reminded me uh, for a second of the other uh, transformations out there. Um, you know, they were all um, praising God. And, and you know, when blind Bartimaeus was, um, was transformed, there were many miracles that happened. Uh, the, this particular account was in Mark 9, or sorry, Mark, Mark 10. Um, and we don't know how Bartimaeus heard about Jesus, but, um, but he was eager. Um, he, he didn't miss his chance to see Jesus. And he, he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Um, and he could have heard it from, there's a list here of miracles. He could have heard it from the restored demonic in Mark 1, a healed leper in Mark 1, Simon Peter's mother-in-law was healed in Mark 1. He healed a paralyzed man in Mark 2, a man with a withered hand in Mark 3. There's the maniac of Gadara in Mark chapter 5. Jairus and his resurrected daughter uh, in Mark 5, or the woman with physical infirmity of 12 years uh, with the issue of blood, the f- feeding of the 5,000, um, the Greek woman um, the, uh, whose daughter was delivered from demonic possession, deaf and dumb man who is healed near the coast of Decapolis, the 4,000, feeding of the 4,000, and another blind man was healed in Mark 8, or the, Mar- the lunatic son in Mark chapter 9. But um, we know that many of those people, they could not uh, hold it in. They, uh, with Christ transforming them in such a way, they had to go and tell others. And blind Bartimaeus could have heard from Jesus from any of these instances or any other instances that happened before it. But um, when we got saved, um, I think there's a joy that we felt that maybe has faded away. And we need to tell others in that same kind of enthusiastic vigor that uh, this man was feeling when he got up and walked. Um, The transformation for us, even as church-going people, as children who grew up in church, transformation is not any less miraculous. For young people who have been reared in Christian homes and good churches, the transformation will be much more inward than outward. You may not have the testimony of the drug, drug addict or the drunk or former game member. Um, you know, those are some powerful testimonies, but uh, your transformation is just as real. Church kids need to get saved. They need to be healed from their selfishness, self-righteousness, their lust, their covetousness, their envy and jealousy, their anger and wrath and rebellion and unthankfulness 
and their unkindness and bitterness and negativity. You know, I, I think we all, growing up in church and everything, we all have all these problems at some point in time. And nobody is above that, and your children aren't above that. And one thing, growing up in church, getting saved at a young age and everything, and, you know, it's like, oh, man, I don't have that cool, um, you know, I was delivered from drugs or, you know. Uh, those are powerful testimonies, but your transformation is just as real. And, and I think that in many cases... Uh, it it can be difficult for uh, children to to stay in church and stay faithful to the Lord and um, and a lot of that falls on the parents and and parents just beware um, growing in, up in church and being being a kid who grew up in church I I know that um, you know it's very easy to hide. Uh, you know, can I be a two-faced Christian? Um, you know, you act one way in church, but not the same at home. Um, and church kids can be very good at hiding things from their parents. And that's just something we need to be aware of. And children, if any of you are hiding anything from your parents, you need to uh, repent and get right with God and get right with your parents. Um, deliverance from these sins is a greater miracle than deliverance from booze, drugs, or criminal activity. You know, these people who are delivered from these obviously sinful vices, um, they know they have a need. Um, Even if they don't want to admit it, they do know. And if they do want to admit it, um, and, and they're, you know, oftentimes their heart is great, they just need to someone to go to them and share the gospel with them. But um, what is your before and after story? Do you even have one? Are you saved today? And if you do have one, is it pointing others to Jesus? Um, you got to preach the gospel in season and out of season.